2: And Martin Palomo. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo joins me today from his office in Jackson. Both been on the road a little bit the last couple weeks, so we've missed a show. But uh, we're here with you today on this uh, Thursday, October the 26th. It'll be our final show in the month of October. It'll be in November the next time we get back together, which is almost impossible to believe. So uh, happy Halloween to everyone. Um, yeah, happy Halloween. Hard to believe right after that. Thanksgiving, and Christmas, then this thing just goes so fast. Yesterday was the 25th and I thought, oh, two months, two months till Christmas.
1: I know, man. And I Feels love. like, look, it was
2: just February.
1: It, it, it's like once we hit Halloween too, I know that, you know, it's about to have, we're about to have rockets strapped to our back because the year just flies by, but Halloween, I don't know for you, but like Jennifer, my wife, Halloween is her favorite holiday. And I think it's because of just the, you know, getting dressed up and, and having fun, but Gia, my little one, the 10 year old, just absolutely loves Halloween. And she made uh, her and her little friends. And I I love it with the kids when they get real creative and Gia's at that age, she's like fourth grade. Um, and her her little friend group is kind of starting to emerge. And uh so they're all trick-or-treating together and they, you know, they and I'm gonna give kudos to them because they planned this well and they planned it weeks in advance. And uh they wanted to be uh the and they have never seen this movie, but I'm sure I'm sure they've heard older siblings talk about it. But they're going as Breakfast Club. And but Gia is literally a waffle and she got her little costume is a is literally a waffle with syrup and and butter on it, and all of all of our friends are different breakfast foods, but they are the breakfast club, yeah, and we, I just I crack up because they have no idea about the about
2: yeah, breakfast. I was say, club. when you said breakfast club. I'm like, <laughs> wow, really? Dude? I thought yes. they were going to go down that rabbit hole, but no. Okay, yeah, they mean it's literal breakfast.
1: Literal breakfast, and it's funny, and and I just kind of I'm cracking up because this is you know obviously you and probably most of our listeners are more familiar with the movie um and it just it just tripped me out how and and i don't know that gia even knows that there's a movie that was wildly popular uh but and she thinks that they have this like i don't know this uh you know novel idea of calling their group the breakfast club (laughs) and dressing up as literal breakfast but i don't know man i love i love uh seeing all of the the creativity of, of Halloween. And surprisingly, like we, as I said, Jen, this is her favorite holiday and we really don't do much decorating to the house for Halloween, but like Christmas is my favorite holiday. And I go absolutely Griswold crazy, um, you know, at Christmas time decorating the house and, and surprisingly Jen has never said, Hey dude, invest some money in, in the Halloween. So that uh, we can be festively decorated for my favorite holiday. So I guess I've gotten away with that for the last 14 years.
2: Yeah, that's, we don't, we don't really, well, sometimes she does. Sometimes Laura decorates for Halloween, but she hadn't gotten around to it this year. And I'm just kind of like leaving it like that, you know? (laughs) So I don't want to get, have to yank stuff out, haul stuff around. And it is supposed to be really nice weather. Uh, Cool temperatures are on the way. I think Sunday night the temperatures drop into the forties and then things cool off. We're gonna have fall next week. So Halloween night Halloween night will have some some coolness to it, which is awesome.
1: That will be awesome, man. Which I don't hate, I haven't when, looked at the I hate when Halloween weather. is like 80 degrees. It's
2: Halloween's supposed to be like in the fifties, you know? Yeah. Just, a little, just a little chill in the air. Yeah. Light a fireplace and all that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. see, dude, I love I love fires. So that, and that's the one thing I uh, regrettable about living, you know, in the, in the deep South is we really don't have much of a opportunity for fires. It's a, yeah. it's a very small window. And mm-hmm. then I think, I don't know if if we still have a burn ban statewide or not. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen anything that it has been lifted, but I also haven't looked.
2: No one told me about one. So there you go.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no burn ban, Neil. No burn ban. It's a, that's just in Jackson. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I will tell you uh, real quick before we get completely off the rails. Uh, I'm in the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Uh, call that number and ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours. I'll also tell you that all of our MPW digital uh, programming this fall is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with uh, real brewed tea packs, a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual twisted tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. So whether you're tailgating in the stadium, parking lot, watching at a bar or hosting friends at home, Twisted tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with twisted tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. And, uh, Martin, before we, uh, completely go off the rails, like I said, tell the people about pinnacle and what's going on there.
1: Yeah, man. Um, we are kind of, uh, man, we're, we're in the, we're in the, I'm gonna call it rounding third, um, you know, portion of our talking with clients, everyone kind of wants when kids are back in school, folks are wanting to meet, um, but generally kind of once the holidays hit folks kind of slow down. And I've had a couple, um, not very many, most of our clients are are really well trained and you know, we're, we're managing to a plan, um, you know, that we have. Uh, diversified portfolios, you know, in the, in the, port, in the, you know, investment plan for, for a reason, but the, I've had a couple of people, you know, here lately, and I think probably a good thing we can, we can lead off with, but I'll, I'll just kind of say, you know, one of the things we, we talk about, there's a reason for diversification. And there's going to be times when diversified portfolios, you know, earn less than the S and P 500, if you were fully invested in the stocks, and there's going to be times when the S and P 500 loses more than, a diversified portfolio, if you're, you know, if you're fully invested in stocks, but we, we try to get people to focus on the long-term of, hey, are we on track? Um, you know, are we going to meet our goals? Do we have any risks that are out there that are unmitigated? And we try to take care of those things when they pop up. And um, so that's kind of, we're in the, we're in the, the blitz of, of doing all of that, uh, you know, with clients at the moment, you know, reviewing for year end, we'll start talking about tax loss harvesting, if we're able to get any, um, you know, at the end of the year and uh, helping people try to have as efficient of a portfolio as possible. So, I mean, if folks are listening and they have no idea what I just said um, with tax loss harvesting or planning, um, you know, give us a call 601-957-0323 or email us at info at And, you know, we can certainly meet talk if it makes sense then that's great we could start a relationship if it does not make sense or you say hey man I really don't like your style there's no that's no problem I I realize not everyone is is going to be a raving fan uh, of ours but uh, if that described you just just call us or email us and we'd love to sit down and
2: talk yeah diversified portfolio is important yeah especially if you're playing the long game as most yep. people are, uh, should be at least. Yeah. yeah it should be playing the long game. Yeah. You know, and, and
1: some of the comments that we've had, uh, from a couple of folks, you know, we've been real short-term in bonds all year long. Well, I actually all of last year and this year too, which have done, uh, tremendously well, um, you know, short-term bonds are right now paying, you know, North of five and a half percent, but that is not going to last forever. That is a very temporary, um, you know, a very temporary thing. And, you know, we've, we've started moving some of our clients out into normal bond allocations and, you know, in the past couple of weeks, well, actually I'm not going to say not past couple of weeks since August, you know, stocks, well, stocks were on fire from October of last year, really through June, July of this year, growth stocks were value stocks were flat. Um, you know, and folks, uh, have kind of been riding that wave. The S and P was up, you know, almost nineteen percent. Well, in the last two months, two and a half months, almost three months. You know, the S the stock market, the S and P five hundred is backed up a lot. You know, where S and P is now, you know, um, up like eight or nine for the year. It was up almost twenty. You know, coming into uh, um, coming into the the end of summer, and then even bonds have, long, you know, uh, intermediate bonds have uh, lost a little bit of value in the last couple of months because interest rates have gone up still, even though the fed hasn't been doing any hiking that has been market movement of interest rates. And so when interest rates go up, they have the seesaw effect, you know, the price goes down. Um, and you know, we've had a couple of people comment like, Hey, are bonds still where we need to be. And the truth of the matter is, is long-term the answer is yes. Uh, we can be very tactical, with what we put in there, but folks need to have a balanced portfolio because you know, if stocks are up 20% and your bonds are up, you know, three, people start going, well, why do I have bonds in the portfolio? Why shouldn't we be a hundred percent stock? You know, why shouldn't we ride this wave of being up 20%, but when the pendulum swings like it did, you know, uh, last year, but I won't talk about bonds last year. Cause that was a weird, a weird scenario, but in normal circumstances, when stocks are down, you know significantly your bonds are usually up like you look back at 2008 i mean stocks were negative 50% but bonds were up 5 so if half your portfolio is positive 5 you know you it, it's it's a whole lot less blood in the street than if the whole portfolio was down 50 and you know and people it's easy to look at it and go man we should have done this we should have done that well you know the being able to anticipate when things are going to happen um, is is pretty impossible you know in the markets and it, there are statistics that will show you like and I show this to clients or or to, to even prospects you know there are there are these statistics they'll show like the if you miss the five best days in the market because you're trying to time it right you're sitting in cash because markets have been down and you only miss the best five days of the market you will underperform long term you'll underperform uh, the market by half so if if the long-term returns of the S and P up 10, your portfolio is going to be, you know, up five. If you miss the 10 best days of the market, you'll be up like 3%. And if you miss like a uh, 20 of the best days in the market, you're only up, you know, 2% versus 10. So the whole purpose of that exercise is time in the market is a better strategy than timing the market. Cause you don't know when those pops are going to come just like in March of 2020, those pops came you know market was down 37% and the market recaptured 12 to 15% of its return in a 5 day period march 23rd through march 30th if you were sitting on the sidelines in cash cuz you probably were if markets were down 37% you missed half the return coming back up so i try to preach to folks even though it sounds like a defeatist you know uh conversation i try to preach to folks that the reason we diversify is not that, you know, you're going to have underperformers across a portfolio in a diversified portfolio. That is the point. But the point is, is that you don't, you know, you may lose a hand or a half of an arm, but you don't get chopped off. You know, th- the body doesn't get halfway chopped off and you're dead. And that's, you know, the, that's the important thing. But I think folks are starting to, some folks are starting to look at the portfolios and going, Hey, you know, do we really need this underperforming part of the, the portfolio and the answer is yes we do we need a well diversified portfolio all the time every day we're not trying to hit grand slams and that's what people who are chasing they're trying to hit grand slams at every bat and or every at bat and i'd rather just hit singles man hit singles consistently it's not sexy you know no one gets up and cheers and throws their beer cups and gives beer showers for you know for singles but dude you hit singles all game
2: long you'll win no well look you're on to something with that I mean the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series by playing small ball you know I mean it, the home the the Philadelphia Phillies lived on the long ball and when it disappeared they were in trouble I realized that's not Apples to apples, no. Know. You know what, dude? That is apples to apples, man. It, it's a, over it's the a long haul. Over the long haul, you want to have an offense that makes consistent contact. That, yeah, that's what you want, you know. And it won't be sexy, like you said. But yeah, there's no beer showers for singles, man. Going to keep you in the ball
1: game. That's right, you know. But what's chicks, the truth of the matter? Dig is... the
2: long ball until, but in, until there is no long ball, then, yeah. then what happened? Where's where's the money? Where's the money? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that slow and steady does win that race. Well, and truth be told, man, is like, we are,
1: our strategy is to hit singles, you know, and occasional doubles, but we're going to have the occasional triple and we're going to have the occasional, you know, knock it out of the park. And all that does is stack it's yap on top of our singles and doubles, but that is not our strategy. Our strategy is singles and doubles. You know, it's third of the oatmeal, man. It's plain vanilla. It's not super sexy. I hedge out a lot of risk. But dude, when just like, you know, F- February of um, I'm sorry, March of 2020, when we were down, when we when we went down 20% at the end of February, Reed and I said, Hey, uh, we need to, we need to increase stocks. And when we d- went down 25, we were like, hey, we need to do it again. Down 30, we increased stocks again. And then when we were, when we were rolling over the down 35 and we were, we, our agreement was we hit down 40%. We are, we are max weight stocks in all of our client portfolios. Cause you knew that was a dislocation. That was kind of like the, you know, base is loaded. Uh, you've got, you're ahead of the count, you know, you got three balls in the count and pitcher throws you fastball right down the middle. You swing out of your shoes to hit it. And you know what worst case scenario is you know, you sh- you get a strike. Okay. That's fine. Nothing, no harm, no foul. But, you know, so that's, that's our goal. Our strategy is singles, doubles with the occasional triple, the occasional home run. And for the most part, our clients, that's what they want to, they want consistency and somewhat of predictability. Anyway, I get off my soapbox. Thanks for letting me stand there.
2: Yeah. So, uh, last night. I was watching basketball with my son. NBA season started on Tuesday night, started for real on Wednesday night with everybody playing and we were watching games and, um, the team, we cheer for the Oklahoma city thunder beat the bulls. And we flipped over to the Spurs and, and Mavericks cause we wanted to watch the rookie Victor Wimbanyama his first game. And then, uh, my wife was in the bedroom and she yelled in Did y'all hear about the shooting in Maine. And I was like, Oh God. Another shooting. And it led to this really interesting conversation. So people that don't know, there was a shooting in, uh, what's the name of the town? Lewiston, Maine, I think. Uh, Yeah, I think that was right. Uh, There's a manhunt for 40-year-old Robert Card, who is the alleged gunman behind shootings at a restaurant and a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine. He previously made threats regarding a gun attack at a U.S. Army base as of this recording it's basically 11 a.m on Thursday the exact number of a number of casualties remains uncertain but officials have reported at least 22 dead with dozens more injured uh, during the shooting so a couple things have happened since then I'll tell you about the conversation that I had with my son in a minute and you and I can expound on why it was a Frustrating conversation to have, and watching the 17-year-old reaction to it was depressing, honestly. Um, Card, described by police as armed and dangerous, is a military-trained firearms instructor who recently underwent mental health treatment, according to a U.S. intelligence document. The bulletin circulated to law enforcement officials on the day of the shooting mentioned that Card spent two weeks in a mental health facility during the summer those specific details of his treatment were not disclosed. This document also revealed that Card had reported hearing voices and had previously threatened to carry out a shooting at a military training base in Seiko, SACO, Maine. Authorities are now deploying hundreds of officers across the state in pursuit of Card, who is currently labeled as a, quote, person of interest. So, I mean, I've got a hot take on this that is probably going to piss some people off, but it's also going to be what the common person is thinking. So we knew this guy had problems. We knew he had mental health issues. We knew that he had threatened to carry out a shooting at a military training base, and he's just walking amongst us? That feels like a giant intelligence failure on my part, on, 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 my part. And maybe I don't understand the details. Maybe the military, the FBI would say, well, there's nothing we could do. I'm, I'm not in a position to argue that, but I, I then want to turn around and go. So, so let me get this right. You know, this guy is a literal threat to society and you can't do anything about him, but you're still hunting down people that we're walking in the Capitol or around the Capitol two and a half, almost three years ago? Because it feels like maybe we're not using our resources appropriately at that point. And maybe it's not apples to apples. Maybe this is different. I don't know. But that's my first thought. And then my second thought is the conversation that I had with my son, who's 17 years old, who said, We got to do something about guns. And I said, you're right. You're right. The fact that one guy can walk around and fire that many shots in a limited amount of time and just gun down innocent people at a bowling alley in a restaurant. That's a mess. Now, did this person possess that gun legally? I don't know. We'll find out I mean, there's a whole other conversation about the legality of drugs of, of, of guns, right? (laughs) Just because, because it, it, it's drugs is the best example. There's lots of substances that are illegal that people have in copious amounts. So just making some, just making something illegal doesn't change the game necessarily. But my response to him was, well, Carson, I agree with you And I agree with you, but the reason that it doesn't happen and you saw this during the pandemic is that when you give an inch, there is no compromise that extreme side of, of, in this case, the democratic party, they don't want gun reform. They just want to take all the guns yep, because they've convinced themselves. I don't know How? that if there are no guns they will be safer that's what they've convinced themselves of i think they i think they in some idealistic world believe that and the nra and the republicans and the people that are very pro gun say nope i can't i can't i can't give an inch cuz you'll yeah We can't meet in the middle. There is no middle, which leads to the thing I said to you before we got started, which was the depressing thing to say to a young person, which was, hey, most of the country, and I believe this, I believe it less and less every day, but I still generally believe it, most of the country is, quote, normal, end quote, Yep. most of the country is common sense, most people get up each day and they just want to go do their job and take care of their families and get back to their families and enjoy an evening and watch a basketball game or a movie or a show on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And they want to cook dinner and, and, and tuck little Johnny into bed and tuck little Jenny into bed and, and, and get a good night's sleep and wake up and do it all over again and get to the weekend and and have a fun weekend and and get ready for Halloween and go trick-or-treating and, collect the candy and then put up the Thanksgiving decorations and yep. uh, start getting little Johnny's Christmas list together and go see Santa Claus at, at, at some point in November and then put up the Christmas tree. And that, that's, that's most everybody, man. It really is. Yeah. Kind of that, that, that is, that is a representation of, of, of most, most of America, most of America, I think. Yeah,
1: and I, I feel wondering. like that's true as I mean, especially families. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think young folks that are, Pre-marriage, pre-family, you know, they uh, they, they want to do their stuff. They want to go to the, you know, hang out at bars or clubs yeah, and sure. socialize and hang sure. out. They don't have the family stuff
2: yet, but, uh, but, but my yeah. Point I, is, I, my point is they're, they're not walking around every single day, you know, thinking political issues. They, they really aren't. They're, they're, they're just living life. That's, trying to live life, yeah. Pay, pay their bills. Life. Yeah, have a good time. Pay their bills. You know, have meaningful relationships or whatnot. I mean, all those things the fact that you have to worry about someone walking into that restaurant that you're in and just shooting it up is a real thing. You do. I mean, if you, if you allow that to terrorize yourself and you never go anywhere, then, you know, but you you get what I'm saying. But the conversation that I had with him was depressing when I said, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's failure. It's failure on the part of, of the lack of adults in the room to be able to to, uh, govern from the middle we don't govern from the middle anymore we govern from the extremes we've seen this with the house of representatives and uh the speaker they finally got a speaker in place after the power play that happened yep um you know we're Dude seeing from louisiana
1: man from your from yeah. your stomping grounds yeah
2: i mean but will take care of everything
1: um <laughs> you know uh we, we see it. Just a lot of cajun getting there and chug some people out
2: we see it with the utter insanity of the people in our country that that are and the ones that make news. Like, did you see Megan Rapinoe this week? She comes out as, I did not. as, as you know, basically pro Palestine in this conflict. And I'm, I was, I was like, Megan, do you know what would happen to you if they dropped you off in the Gaza Strip?
1: Yeah, she would be hung or beheaded.
2: You wouldn't last thirty minutes, Megan.
1: I mean, uh, yes, they're the, the Muslim culture is not tolerant of the LBG, LBG. Ah, oh my gosh. I can't get the words out. L G B
2: T Q plus yes. stuff. Yeah. Yep, Israel yep. is Israel is, is, um, yes, is Israel is they're accepting. There's, there's not, uh, yeah, openly, I think um, openly gay people don't fear for their lives because of their sexuality in Israel
1: correct i think it's just a uh, what uh was what it the she getting her her little moments of five little seconds of fame or whatnot but kind of back to the i mean i'm gonna comment on the on the main and and robert card situation so guy walks into you're you're at the you're at a restaurant with your family you know enjoying a hamburger and fries and Uh, dude walks in and and opens fire if you are unarmed the only hope that you have is that you can hide and that they don't he doesn't this dude does not cross your path that's it that's that's all your you have god is the only person on your side at that point yep however if you are armed you may not you know uh completely disarm the the shooter but if but if someone is popping live rounds back at him you know it's he's he's probably pretty unlikely to to continue he's either gonna take cover which is gonna at least slow down the spray of bullets coming at him or you know if you injure him then you know it at least stalls or or stops the the situation temporarily but the best the best deterrent from that much of mass casualty is someone else with a firearm, you know, firing live rounds back at them. So if no one has a firearm because firearms are illegal, but people who are going to commit crimes don't care about whether the thing they're using is illegal or not, what is your, what is your defense? How do you protect yourself? And I mean, I'm not, I know this is making a very pro gun you know, argument, but I'm just saying it's it's logic.
2: I'm totally with you here. It's, it's, it's why we can't have, again, we're, we're, we can't even have a logical conversation about it in our country. It it, immediately, the, the, the far left goes, see, see. And it's like, do you, which, which part of this do you not understand that,
0: that, that? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
2: it's a frustrating thing to me it's yeah.
1: and i do agree that i mean like i i have no need for you know a high capacity firearm i don't own one i don't have a need for it not that they're not cool i mean i think they're cool but like i don't have a need for it but also you know i think i think the whole point of you know being having the ability to bear arms goes back to you know, it's, I, this is not for vigilante, um, you know, uh, vigilante crime or or protection. I really think it is to go back to make sure that, you know, if for whatever reason, our government went rogue and was no longer a republic or for the people, that the people have a means of, you know, fighting back against our government. Now, the rest of the country, you know, outside of the South and probably the Midwest, uh, probably is not going to put a militia together. I'm just speaking very frankly. Uh, I don't think anyone on the West Coast is going to have enough, you know, firearms. Ah, there, there are some people outside of the cities that will, but they'll protect their their land. I mean, I think that the really the whole purpose of being able to bear arms is to protect yourself from your government from you know overthrowing uh, a republic and and forcing you into a form of communism or socialism.
2: Yeah. It's a fundamental right that was put in the constitution for a reason. I just go back to look at Cuba, man. Uh you know if had you the people if you can't defend yourself, if that's not an option. Yep. That's that's not good. No.
1: And then there's I, a mil- there's a military coup and you can't defend yourself or your property.
2: Uh, You will be relieved of it. And so, you know, I don't know. We just have a really messed up. (laughs) I say all that about how normal we all are. And then you look around and you see what's happening in our country and you just go, man, we got a lot going on right now. I mean, I have sometimes people say to me, how do you keep up with all this stuff? You're, you're having to keep up with sports. I'm like, well, this is the important stuff. Sports is just fun. Yes. This is the important stuff. This is the stuff that's impacting lives. This is what's impacting the bottom line. This is what's impacting that portfolio that we were talking about a little while ago. I mean, I mean, the only comfort is, well, if if everything goes to hell, everyone will go broke. Okay. Well, that I mean, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's so, true. Yeah. My comment to
1: my clients for that is because I get the question... Not as frequently anymore, but I would get the question of, well, what happens if the economy collapses? And I'm like, well, I don't have a job. You don't, all the money that you have on paper right now d- does not exist at that point. So it's then We're it's yeah. ammunition and livestock are what you need to have. Livestock for, you know, sustainability and moving forward uh, and ammunition to protect that yeah. livestock.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I think that's extreme at this point, but. <laughs>
1: I mean, yes, it is, but But I give extreme, I give extreme responses when I get crazy, extreme questions.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've, (laughs) I've, I've I've had that thought before. What happens if we, if the market go, well, everyone's broke. So why don't we do what it takes to not have that happen? Like we're all, that's where the whole, it's always interesting to me how it takes a village until it doesn't. It takes a village, but not that kind of village. And we're just the village idiots. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we spend so much energy as a society on meaningless crap. Utterly Conversations and stuff. Meaningless crap. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I do a show with Josh Hendrickson every other week and he sent me an ad from the Georgetown university department of economics economics, Martin. Okay. Yep. Economics. The economics department seeks to hire a tenure track assistant professor who aligns with the university's social justice objectives by conducting outstanding research and teaching in the areas of race, gender inequality, and social justice economics. And so I said, what in the hell is social Uh, justice economics? I was about to ask the same question. And he says, it doesn't exist. I was about to say, I don't, I've never heard of that before. Never heard of such a thing. It's just a way of getting the correct people a job. And then he sends me the full ad and the full ad is just a, it's at Georgetown. I want to meet Josh. Yeah. You, you would really like Josh. I should get the three of us together and I'll just sit and drink the beer and y'all can talk. I'll That'll listen. be fun. That'd
1: be fun, man. I'll well listen. Bella sidetrack. Bella is pretty committed to uh she wants to do the honors program, uh the honors college at at Ole Miss, but she yeah, told me she's good. she wants to study economics, which I was like, that's awesome. I mean I I'm not I don't pressure my kids to do anything. So maybe maybe she'll get to take some uh classes with Josh.
2: Yeah, you should you should talk to him because I think he would tell you that a lot of their economic students, I think, end up at law school, stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, they do a really good job there. I mean, he's, he's, he's great. He's a genius, but again, social justice economics. What the hell is that?
1: It's nothing. It's not, it's I mean, not of that. Why are, it's we, a, why are
2: we spending time on social justice economics? I don't know. Let's just teach economics.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Econ, for the most part, has not evolved much, you know, in the since since the principles of economics were founded, you know, and I'm talking about basic supply and demand principles, you know, inelasticity of demand uh, is, is not going to change year over year. You know, yes. Can there be different uh, macroeconomic factors? Yes, because a lot of that has to do with government. But, but it still doesn't change the fundamentals of what economics is. I'll be like, Hey, we're going to, you know, calculus used to work, but it doesn't anymore. So we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to redefine what calculus or what physics is. It's like, no, those are, those are natural. Those are natural law things. Like you don't redefine those things. So yeah, they're, they're just grasping at straws there, man. Yeah, that is to find really what they're saying is we want someone that's, Ultra, ultra to the left to teach economics. That's it. And I don't know why they can't just say, hey, we are not looking for a conservative professor. We are looking for a, you know, a very uh, extreme liberal professor. But I guess maybe that falls into discrimination stuff. And
2: Yeah, but that that, that gets me back to my point. Shouldn't you be looking for the best professor? Shouldn't, yes. Shouldn't the objective... Be to get the best professor possible. Why? Because you want to educate your students as well as you can.
0: Yeah. Because that's so what that,
2: they're, that's what they're paying for.
1: Well, that and then also, if we can be totally honest, you want to educate your students so that they become successful members of society and make a ton of money so they can give you a mon- a lot of money back. Right.
2: Sure. I mean. Sure, but but I mean, at the at the bottom line. People go to your school to be educated. They see you send your children to school to be educated. Correct. That's what you pay for. Correct. So if I come to your, if I go to Clark Ford to buy a vehicle and Corey says, well, what are you in the market for? Well, I'd like another F-150. I really like the F-150. Okay, cool. Well, let me show you these F-150s. Let me show you these features on the F-150. This this yes. has... If at any point he goes, well, let me show you this F 150. This is a social justice F 150. <laughs> oh, a what? Oh, it's just a social justice F 150. What the hell does that mean? Well, I mean, it, you know, it's not necessarily it's a the best. politically correct. F-150. It's not necessarily the best truck, and it doesn't have the best features, and it doesn't might necessarily get the best mileage or any of that, but it was built for social justice. And literally, there's no difference to what I'm talking about with the economics thing. It's the exact Correct. same. It's total stupidity. I I immediately look at Corey and go, I just want to buy the best truck. Just give me an F one fifty, dude. I'd, I'd like.
1: Uh, to- I want the eight cylinder instead of the six cylinder, It needs to be four by four. I've got stuff to pull.
2: Right. Like, if he goes, well, well, no, you don't want the eight cylinder. This is a six cylinder, but it's a social justice truck. This is a four cylinder. This is a four cylinder F one <laughs> fifty,
1: and it it is a, uh, it is only two wheel drive and you can't pull anything
2: but when you started it sings kumbaya no no, no <laughs> I, it's not what i want i, I, I mean but I'm, everyone's you know getting I, this yeah well this is the this is the one that if you drive this everyone will approve of you <laughs> that's right you will be viewed as virtuous if you drive this truck yes on the front it says social justice yes that's, that's where we... was we're not, I always come back to what Josh says. We're not a serious country. I mean, at that point, you're not, you're, you're not a, I mean, obviously this would never happen at Clark Ford. I would look at Corey at some point where you're not even a serious business person anymore. You're not, you're not even, what are you, what are you talking about? of course that wouldn't happen with something tangible, but it happens in this untangible ephemeral world where, okay, well, you know, we can't hire who we want to hire because we have to hire no if you ever will get to a place where everything's a meritocracy, the world's a better place, man. hundred percent agree. I mean, that's the the solution. The solution to all of the world's problems is a meritocracy. I agree with that. One hundred percent. That it. solves everything. And don't get Burn me wrong. That, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that you have no tolerance for 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 people with with disabilities, for example, or or whatnot. Because we absolutely do and should. They're, they're, not everyone can compete at the highest level of anything. There's always yep. there's always differences, but that should still be the the standard. When you hire someone to work at Pinnacle, you should be looking to hire the most qualified person who can provide the best services for your clients.
1: Yeah, who can I take mean take care I...
2: of your clients in the best way possible because. Those people came to invest their money with you.
1: Yeah. And I'll go one more step because we have a no asshole policy. So like, if you're a stud, but you make everyone's life miserable in the office because you're an asshole, we don't have a spot for you. Like you could be the best in the world, but you're an asshole. I'll pass on you. But if you're really, if you're really, really good and you're pleasant and you can act, treat other people like a, normal typical human i I want the best best of the best i don't care what you look like what your hair color is whether you have hair whether you don't have hair Uh, i don't want to leave you out neil because i think there's an opportunity for you thanks man one day Uh, but yeah i mean i don't i don't care what people look like if my only my only care is you know are you qualified um i want the best qualified people and then you just i don't want assholes i've I've had to get those out and, and it's just not pleasant. I'd rather just not bring them in than, than have to, to get them out.
2: You'll love this one. Here's another example where we're just not serious. We're not being honest with ourselves. We're not, we're not having, we can't have an honest conversation about something because it might not be politically correct. It might hurt feelings. ESPN collection of buffoons ESPN. This is written by, Shweta surrendering and paula levine i'm not intentionally mispronouncing her name i just don't know how to it's s-h-w-e-t-h-a Shweta surrendering and paula levine athletic departments have long used twitter now x to attract fans donors and recruits but which teams get the love An ESPN analysis found that an overwhelming majority of Power Five athletic departments tweeted more about men's teams than women's, even though women's teams outnumber men's teams at almost all schools. The consequences, an inequity that could mean Title IX violations and lawsuits, and perhaps fewer dollars for female athletes via sponsorship and endorsement deals. In February of 2023, ESPN reviewed more than 3 million posts from the athletic department and team accounts of the then 65 Power 5 schools on the platform formerly known as Twitter to examine how often schools mention men's teams versus women's. The data represented just one method of publicity and one snapshot in time, but ESPN examined up to 3,200 tweets per account with most posted within the five years ending in February 23. The findings, backed by observations from athletics, uh, athletes, coaches, Title IX experts, blah, 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 point to an imbalance of uh, in the promotion of men's and women's college sports teams. They pick on Notre Dame here. Notre Dame tweeted about women the least, 18.6% of the time. Even those schools that favored women's teams only tweeted about them a little more often than 50% of the time allow me to give you a newsflash. These schools use their athletic programs, you see. I'm, I'm going to help ESPN here. They use their social media to promote teams. They promote the teams in hopes that people will come to the games, which means they will spend money at games. Correct. They promote the teams in hopes that people will donate to those teams, will become fans of those teams. They donate, they, they promote the teams. It's a business venture, you see. It's a business venture. You want the players to get paid. I'm for the players getting paid. The players getting paid makes it officially a business. These multi million dollar stadiums and the TV deals that pay for the Title nine sports that newsflash, newsflash, Paula, the sports wouldn't exist. Women's tennis wouldn't exist at Ole Miss if there were no football team. It wouldn't happen. And if it did, it would be a club sport. There'd be nothing wrong with that, by the way. But they wouldn't be on full scholarship. There would, there would be no women's soccer team at Ole Miss if there were not a football team. There'd be no women's basketball team at Ole Miss if there were no football team. Because if this were just a business, Paula. And the other nice young lady, if it were just a business, there'd be a football team. There'd be a men's basketball team. They'd probably keep baseball rolling and they'd shut everything else down, everything else down. And if they ever played with the idea of soccer, for example, it'd be a men's soccer team. Why? Because those sports are more popular. They get the money. And so, of course, if you're Ole Miss and you're in the social media, I'm I'm using Ole Miss as an example because it's right down the road, but this applies at Mississippi State, LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Pickers. Yes, you should spend the majority of your promotion promoting sports that make money. Yes, 100%. Auburn had 90,000 people at the football game last weekend. Yep. 90,000. I was at a game in Fayetteville. They had 70,000 people. The next day, the soccer team at Arkansas won. I think their fourth consecutive regular season soccer championship. They beat Ole Miss. I don't remember the score. It Doesn't matter. No, uh, the women's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because there is no men.
1: Yeah, it's just club at club at men's level.
2: <clears throat> the point was, there weren't ninety, there weren't seventy thousand people at the soccer game. We 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 need to we need to be serious. Maybe this yeah. is social, maybe this is social justice economics. We need to be serious about what what things are. Just be practical, be pragmatic, be real life. That's what I that's how I raise my kids when Carson says, why is there why is there no gun control? Well, here's why. Well, this is a dumb story. I mean, cool, whatever. You want to shun people into it, just showcased that they cared more about men's sports than women's sports. Yes, that's correct. This is a quote from Leah Beyer former Kansas soccer player. You're 100% right, Leah. And the reason you got to go to Kansas on scholarship and play at the University of Kansas is because they have a football and a men's basketball program. That's why. Title IX protected you and made them, made them fund sports that they otherwise wouldn't fund. Otherwise, they would just make them club sports. And you would have still gotten to play soccer at Kansas and wear a jersey that said Kansas on it, but your scholarship wouldn't have existed. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, Martin, but this is stupid. No, I mean, I mean, good God. I mean, these are the people in my profession shows you why I never would get a job at ESPN. I would have raised my hand and go, what the hell are we doing? That's the dumbest story anybody's ever written. I mean, why not go out and write a story about we studied 3,000 lakes in the United States and they were all wet.
1: (laughs) They were all wet. (laughs) Yes, they we were all wet. In, we
2: jumped in three thousand lakes across the United States, and on each time we got wet.
1: Yeah, because yeah. water's wet. Generally, generally speaking, yes, water's wet. You know, but also it's like just just take it to business. We'll can we go? We'll continue on the Clark Ford uh, path since you since you talked about it earlier. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Corey is going to. I'm willing to bet. So the F-150 is the you know, uh, most popular truck in the nation, right? Ford sells more F-150s yep. than any other company sells trucks. So I'm willing to bet that Corey probably spends, you know, m- or invests more money into more F-150s than probably, you know, any other vehicle. And let's just say, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a car up because I don't want to knock on anything that's existed. Let's say Ford had a Ford had a, car called the Pinto or something like that. And it was a wildly unpopular car and, you know, not safe and lots of issues. Um, You know, I think it's reasonable to say that Corey is going to invest very few of his dollars into the Pinto than he is the F-150 because he knows that he's not going to sell any Pinto. So he's just going to have Pinto sitting on the lot, not moving, not making any money. But that would kind of be like Ford coming to him and saying, hey, you know what, man, if you want to sell F-150s, then you have to carry an equal amount of Ford Pintos on your lot to be able to sell F-150s. Corey would look at him and be like, F off, man. Like, we're oh, not, of course. we're not doing that because I'm going to lose my ass on, you know, if I have a. I'm making numbers up here. A million dollars worth of inventory in the F-150, and I've got to carry a million dollars worth of inventory in the Pinto. He knows he's going to have a loss on that pinto. It doesn't mean he's not going to carry any pintos. Cause there there will be the few folks that say, Hey, you know, a pinto is all I can afford, and I need something to get me to from A to B, and I'm willing to take the risk of a really crappy, unpopular car. He'll have a couple but he's not going to have as many as the F one fifties. I mean, sports are really no different except for, you know, they're, they are, schools are forced to, and of course I know, I realize they don't invest as much in, you know, the sports that uh, are not revenue drivers as they do into football or basketball or baseball. Um, But they do, they do invest. Whereas, I mean, Corey, if he had the choice, probably wouldn't buy any Pintos at all for his lot. And he would have all F 150s on his lot. And he's going to make money because that's rational. That's logical. Yes. That's businesses need to make money so that they can continue, so they can employ people and make, you know, give people, you know, uh, opportunities to earn paychecks and support their family. It's not a, they're not there for a, you know, they're not a charity. 100%.
2: just dumb there's a lot of dumb it's just common sense it, it it it's what's wrong with our country though we talk about this all the time is we have the it's what's fundamentally wrong is that we have most of the people live via common sense and none of the really none of the governing bodies operate from a common sense standpoint any longer because they have moved to the extremes. There's nobody in the middle of the field. Everybody's on the sidelines.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, and even another thing that, that occurred to me, like, so Bella, my 17 year old, she's a junior. She's in band at school. She's in the color guard. Um, she loves it, loves performing, but outside of her parents, people don't come to the football game on Friday nights to watch Bella, you know, spin her flag or spin her rifle or spin yeah. her saber. Now, do they support, do the fans in the stands, you know, stay in the stands and clap for the band and support them? Yeah, they do. And I think that's pretty cool that yeah, they do that, but they're sure. not there to watch the band, but the band is getting a a little bit of uh of an audience they wouldn't normally get. So they are a beneficiary of the football game, but, but the, but the school does not allocate the same amount of money to the band as they allocate to football. Cause also every time I go to a football game, I'm paying eight bucks for me, eight bucks for Gia, eight bucks for Jennifer. I mean, I'm $25 into the game before I buy the first popcorn and, you know, and hamburger or Chick-fil-A or pizza or whatever it is that they're selling. I'm another 50 bucks in, Yeah, uh, you know, once Gia gets blow pops and Skittles and, you know, all the fun stuff that she loves to get the football game, it makes money. So they're going to invest where it makes money. Now, am I grateful that her school does support the arts and say, hey, you know what? You bring in zero revenue for the school because it doesn't. The band brings in zero dollars for the school. We don't make money. But they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a, a budget. We're going to allocate you a budget. And I have to believe that at least a portion of that budget probably comes from some of the proceeds that the football you know, games bring in and we don't play at basketball.
2: So. Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, Carson plays soccer. I mean, would I love it if there were 3000 people at all the soccer games? Right. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Yeah. But it's just parents for the most part, but it's mostly just parents. I mean, and a handful of their friends and yeah, you know, some, sometimes the girls team will stay for a little while. And so their parents will stay. And, but you know, for the most part, it's just parents at the game. And I mean, you got to play for the love of it. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, what am I going to do? Go throw a, go up to city hall and march and demand that there's equity. It's mean, right. stupid. No football's more popular than soccer. Yeah. It just brings in more cash. It brings in more it, money. And, and so businesses the sponsor the
1: football, the, the uh, football field, you know, uh, they'll put their, they'll invest their money into the community for football. Cause they're going to get eyes, you know, on the billboard or on the fence we don't yeah we don't get yeah. that in bang there might
2: and there might come a time when they don't there might come a there might come a place years from now where you know what it's not worth the buck it's maybe that there's a swing towards baseball or there's a swing towards soccer or whatever the case may be. I don't know things sure. change but as of today I mean the sport that is the most popular in in high schools is football. Yep. So at least in the South. Yep. At least in the south until it's not. Yeah there's places in the Midwest where you're better off sponsoring the basketball programs because that's where the, the community is going to be there in Indiana on Friday night to watch basketball. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Just kind of practicality. And it it's not a matter of being right or wrong. It's a matter of being is. If you're LSU, damn right, you need to be promoting your football program. A hundred and something thousand people come to your games. That's a money maker. It's a money that pays for everything else. ESPN's Correct. failure to. I, ESPN, and here's the thing, ESPN knows that. They know that. They just don't don't want to talk about it that way. Okay.
1: Yeah, they got to please two masters, man, or multiple masters. But you
2: don't. But you don't. I mean, you don't. You can say, well, I mean, the reason we don't tweet about women's soccer as much as we treat about men's basketball is because one sport produces $6 million in revenue and the other one cost us 1.2 that's why go figure yeah. next
1: yeah and I guess the people that are probably making a big deal about it are not regular watchers of ESPN anyway
2: probably not and they' are also people that live in ideal idealistic world not real world you know true in an ideal world everything's perfect and yeah everyone's you could eat chocolate. and you could eat Reese's peanut butter cups all day long and not get fat it's not the real world. Yeah. Uh, if we ever find that world. I'll let uh, you know. If i find it, man. You're invited. We'll go together. Because
1: Reese's puffs for breakfast. Reese's peanut butter cups for lunch. And man, I'm, I'm getting pizza for dinner. I'm, oh, be I'm game for that.
2: Oh, me too. that would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll uh, appreciate you being on. You're good next Thursday.
1: Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think I am good next Thursday. I think I only have one week in November. That's going to be. Okay. I think well, it's the will. second week. I think it's, pro- it's problematic. but
2: We will ring November in next Thursday then here on Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Don't forget it's MyPinWealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, Wealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, Wealth.com. for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, take care.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.